astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of Monarch Astrology and Magic of the Spheres podcast. In this video, I'm going to be sharing with you about the new moon in Scorpio that's happening on November 13th at 1.27 a.m. Pacific. This new moon in Scorpio is conjunct Mars and asteroid or dwarf planet Ceres in Scorpio and opposite Uranus and Taurus. So it's a lunation that's falling on the um, current Mars-Uranus opposition we've been experiencing that I'll talk to you about. And I'm going to speak first generally to the Scorpio experience, the mood, if you will, and name some additional things to watch for. So about the Scorpio experience, you've likely been in it already um, this season. The emotional stakes are growing higher and we're confronted with the possibility of having or losing what we desire the most, right? So we're like in the pursuit of something that we really value and want, or we're in the protection of holding something that we value. It's kind of like a Taurus-Scorpio mood altogether with that Uranus and Taurus opposition. But within Scorpio specifically, you know, we meet these psychological edges. We meet the side of ourselves that will be ruthless in scheming, strategizing and getting and this behavior can be quite unconscious in a lot of ways and it definitely has the conscious layer if you're a strategizer or a schemer Um, but when it is conscious the emotional stakes raise themselves once again too of what are we willing to sacrifice to get versus what fire can we stand to annihilate ourselves within when we let go of an obsessive grip Right. So when you're really kind of in the inner conflict of your own desire nature and what you're willing to do to get what you want. Scorpio has two, I normally say like modus operandi, right? But I looked up what's the plural and it's modi operandi. So I hope I'm saying it right. But it has two of those that I want you to consider. One is to avoid pain, right? You have the Scorpio... Um, the scorpion exoskeleton that can really defend itself against feeling, which, um, you know, it's a fascinating archetype, Scorpio, in the sense that it is our deepest feelings and it's also our capacity to defend ourselves from feeling. And when it comes to, you know, we were just having this conversation in the intensive because um, we were working on Taurus and Scorpio last week. Um, And Scorpio is this part, you know, like where we get like very deeply enmeshed or attached, right? So there's these energetic hooks that bond us to things um, or to people. So if you are manipulatable in a certain way, it's like you have a hook or a receptor there where someone can kind of shame you into their agenda by telling you, you know, you're so ungrateful or whatever way they can find to kind of get their hooks in there and have you do what they want. But, you know, if you aren't hookable, if you remove your vulnerability to that particular psychological threat, then someone can throw that type of thing at you and it doesn't have a place to land. So sometimes this, you know, quality of being emotionally defended is wise or helpful. It makes you invulnerable to... Uh, manipulation or control or diminishment or being degraded or what have you. But we can also defend against just very human emotions, feeling our um, grief, feeling our sadness, the way that we might kind of go into more comfortable emotions up here at the kind of gatekeeper level of blame or anger. Um, And there's that layer which can be important to be with and to move through, but there's often something deeper underneath it. And so Scorpio is that mechanism by which, for better or worse, we protect ourselves from certain vulnerabilities. 
So we can put that in a very kind of broad category of avoiding pain. But then we have the other modus operandi of Scorpio, which is to merge with an object or experience, etc., of desire, right? To, to fuse in union, to become one with, right? Um, Scorpio is a very sexual sign, so we are talking about sex, literally, and then all the different kinds of forms of energetic bonding and merging. So both of these, avoiding pain or merging with something, have this deep-seated will to secure the emotional life by either being impenetrable to harm or what's perceived as harm or being power-linked with a source of fulfillment. Right. So if you think about the things that are really getting under your skin right now, the things that are really concerning you, do they fall into either of those categories of avoiding pain or the desire to be merged with something that will allow you to have an experience that you feel like you can't have without that merging? So within Scorpio, it's necessary to develop psychological self-awareness because these particular psychological mechanisms within Scorpio um, can be hidden from our own view. It takes common forms like hiding or concealing our true feelings um, and desires out of a fear of rejection, um, failure, or vulnerability. Um, and then additionally, adopting mental attitudes that back this protective stance, perhaps minimizing or neglecting the aspects of this stance that create lack of intimacy or alienation. Right? So it's just kind of being like, protective and defensive but then additionally mentally like yeah that's right that person's um bad or distrustful or like I should you know protect myself and that kind of um you know obviously I'm just saying it in a really simplified way but you can think about these places where self-protection is intelligent in certain cases and in other cases it just walls us off from the risk of a bigger deeper life right and that risk meaning that we might get hurt we might fail we might be rejected um, but the cost of not taking such risks is to feel alone and alienated and whatnot so there is this dance i think with scorpio of really navigating where is it important to trust and where is um what is appropriate or accurate distrust um, and finding actually the deeper layer of trust and sovereignty within ourselves to be able to see so clearly um, the nature of that. I will add, though, that I think within Scorpio, something I've learned about it over the years is that um, bigger losses, like deeper betrayals, um, deeper hurts are often only able to happen because of the depth of investment that happened in the first place. So I had a big awakening around that of first being like, how could this happen? Like, how could something that was so precious to me um, be, you know, be a source of betrayal or have this like thing that mattered so much to me taken away, etc.? And to realize like, oh, if I didn't care that much in the first place, if there weren't that level of depth of investment and time, then it wouldn't be so sore a loss if things don't go well. So there is an inherent risk, actually. It's like the deeper we get into intimacy, the more skin we have in the game, etc., like the higher the stakes. And Scorpio is really contending with that. And so it's our, one, our willingness to play that type of game in life or the um, emotional impoverishment of not playing that game at all. See, it's, it's, a, it's a razor edge, it's tricky um, in there. And then another way that we might um, kind of have these Scorpio psychological mechanisms at play and not really notice it is where we place our power or our sensed capacity for well-being on external circumstances and using manipulative tactics at our disposal, ones we know we're doing or not, to secure those results in order to actually just feel something that we may be capable of feeling internally, right? 
So just like when we're trying to kind of manipulate the external to feel a certain way inside. We can also feed our emotional defense systems like rage or blame or even looping and obsessions. I've really been playing with this one of like, okay, when I'm getting obsessive, like sometimes being obsessive, like when you're really excited about a project or you're feeling really creative or inspired, um, that amount of energy toward a target is, um, you know, can feel great. You, it feels good. When you're obsessive about something that is causing you pain or it's kind of like picking at a wound or it's having you feeling really disempowered or like whatnot, uh, I noticed that it's hard to just let go of an obsession, right? Like people that run obsessive, it's not always in their control. But I have started to see it as this image of like, there's something that's circling. How can it just penetrate? Um, so I've been playing with that. So see if you want to experiment with that. If you notice you're in an obsessive loop, what is it that actually wants to land and move through in a deeper way? Um, I've been enjoying that one. Not to just out myself as an obsessive person, but I do have a lot of Pluto aspects. Um, and I think the nature of um, focus, like laser focus, is a plutonic issue. And it's powerful to have focus, but we also have to be empowered about our choices, about where our focus goes. Right? But when we are in our emotional defense systems and we're looping in those kinds of patterns and not really fully going through it, Sometimes we're not allowing the situation to change because we refuse to feel something and we create these systems and loops in place in order to protect us from feeling. But I want to um, turn, turn the page here to a spiritual view um, of this lunation of Scorpio in union with the material world, right? Keeping the material world in mind. Because when I think about Scorpio and it being about, you know, that example I said where you could be trying to manipulate the external world in order to feel a certain way inside that you could be capable of just feeling, I'm not suggesting that you just have feelings that you generate in, you know, your own world and in fantasy and don't participate in the external. There is actually something quite like this infinity loop, this tantra, this union that we see in Scorpio where our focus, our investment of life force um, penetrates into the choices that we make and the things we choose to bond with. And then it gardens and cultivates a certain experience that then penetrates us in return, right? So it's this tantric loop with life. And I think Scorpio is about becoming really intelligent about what tantric loop with life that we're actually in, right? And um, does it reflect our deepest values? Is it educating us about our deepest values, the Taurus polarity? So once we find you know, this crisp, sovereign, psychological intelligence within ourselves to be able to see our patterns and deeper motivations, etc., if that's something you're interested in learning about astrologically, I encourage you to um, take my course when it's open again the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, or if you're an alumni, um, to join again my membership program, Diviner, where we are in this conversation about like understanding the archetypes at depths and how they live through us. Right. So if you are interested in that practice of the deeper um, psychological and spiritual discoveries that can happen through astrology, I would love to work with you with that, either in my courses or one-to-one -one mentorship or readings. Um, I'll talk more about that at the end too. But, you know, you're also on that path. I know if you're vibing with my content that you are a reflective and deep person. So if you're in this process of finding that sovereign psychological intelligence within yourself to see your patterns and your deeper motivations, it doesn't end up meaning that you become a sitting meditator who abstains from the raw dramas and like of life and the complexities of sex and desire and attachment, it only means that we become profoundly intentional about what we choose to bond our energy to, how we literally invest um, our life force energy. 
right? And there's a deconditioning that goes along with this too because there is a lot of conditioning around right and wrong or like purity and impurity. And there's like a whole level of like existential kink, right? The things that our desire nature is involved with that's like a little bit um, on the kinkier side. Um, you know what I'm talking about, like existential kink. It's like the part of us that gets um, kind of addicted or gets off to things that at an ego layer we don't think we like. Um, why did I start talking about this though? Um, there was a there was a connection there. I'll get back to it. But with Scorpio, we're working on you know clearly seeing our own motives, and then this doesn't mean that we don't choose to act. Sometimes it's perfectly true and relevant to our personal and spiritual growth to lean into actions that come from these deep-seated needs and desires. That's why I was talking about deconditioning because sometimes, you know, our desires are quite humbling. Like for me, sharing um, the audio novella Hungry Ghosts of Paradise on Magic of the Spheres podcast was a true desire. It was annihilating to a certain part of my ego that's like I'm really leaning into this decision to write an autobiographical erotic novel and publish it um definitely some parts of me were in resistance to making that kind of life path choice you know what does it mean about my capacity to find love and partnership if I'm like this person that talks on the internet about magic and sex and you know what does that mean about me and like really being in that internal conflict versus can I afford not to follow that energy that's moving through my system to, to create that novel or to lean into that creative expression in the world, right? So that's what I mean about deconditioning is that it's getting in relationship with the energy that's moving through you, like your actual life force energy that isn't even just your own organic life force, but it's like the earth's life force. It's the cosmos life force moving through your organic life force. It's like this relationship with how life and nature moves through you and how profoundly humbling that is actually there's a level of reception to it but also participation so scorpio is known to act strategically which can be both to only strike when the time is right um, to get what one wants or to have the result that one is scheming for <laughs> or from a more spiritual perspective to strike in alignment with truth as opposed to blowing one's power on reactivity or the chasing of unnecessary addictions, right? So if, you, um, if you're in those moments of kind of wrestling with different parts of yourself that want different things and you have that capacity to be strategic about the choice you make, there's like a level of restraint that I think Scorpio has access to. Um, which is something that it contends with as well, because sometimes we can restrain ourselves from something that is good for us um, also, and then there's a process of loosening that. But you can see that there's like the capacity for self-control within Scorpio, and yet because of that capacity to precise laser strike at the right moment, it is also quite a formidable sign. So as we know our own power of life force, and meet the part of ourselves who can spend it sovereignly. So say we're less consumed by the compulsive, reactive, unconscious behaviors, that we actually can see that game inside of us and opt out accordingly um, to like be with the humanity of that part of ourselves, but also not just be um, unconsciously run by our wiring or our compulsions, right? These unconscious behaviors that make choices for us. So when we reclaim that type of power, um, we can also discover inside of that that even our personal will that has that kind of like laser-focused, sharp capacity isn't just all that there is, right? That it's a central and meaningful part of the equation as far as our personal navigation of being a human, living a spiritual life, um, or a spirit being, living a human life, however you want to look at it but that it's actually still in this web of entanglement, that everything affects everything, that no matter how individual we think we are, we are part of the web, right? So Scorpio is really about those deep connections 
um, untangling ourselves from parts of the web and then weaving ourselves into parts of the web um, in that dance of attraction, repulsion, aversion, um, and desire. So again, like we can consider this tantric weaving of the energy between our own center of will and gravity and the way the universe is shaping or initiating us and how fulfilling our greater potentials in this life requires our active participation as much as it requires our sensitized reception to be able to feel and be guided into deeper union. So this is a, a perspective that if we put on this type of lens, it has us thinking about our lives in different ways as opposed to things happening to us, as opposed to things being random. It's like getting into that deeper intimacy of self where it's like, what is this showing me? What is this revealing to me? And that being um, <clears throat> this alchemical kind of mystery process, right? Because sometimes being in a a situation that doesn't adequately reflect you, right? Something's off. It could be revealing to you a change that you're needing to make, right? Or maybe someone enters your field who's captivating to you and you feel mesmerized by them or you admire them and they're revealing back to you a part of yourself that is more latent and is wanting to be inspired and to come out more. Um, Maybe you're having like a really deep conflict and while it's really not your preference that you're in that conflict, it's awaking parts of you that um, are responding to the conflict at hand, right? So it's being in that kind of reflective, like how is life actually touching and stirring me and bringing me into a deeper evolution of myself as opposed to just being... Um, upset about the things that are happening around you. Not that you can't be upset about them, but you know what I mean. So at this point, that's just been us talking about Scorpio and the, the Scorpionic mood. Notice what it um, brought up for you. And I'm going to speak to a few more things to pay attention to with this lunation. One is um, deep emotional discomfort and urgency. So the new moon is conjunct Mars and opposite Uranus. So the Mars-Uranus opposition exacted on November 11th and could relate to high-strung nerves or escalation of conflict and agitation. Uranus is very extreme and electric and can relate to shocks or disruptions and Mars is a planet of aggression uh, raw energy, uh, motivation, will. And so Mars Uranus could have, um, you know, on the one hand, it's kind of like driving fast, like really accelerating the gas pedal. Like um, it could be feeling really charged and alive and like juiced up and energized in a positive way. And it can also be um, a sore nerve, right? Like depends on the experience you're having. Uranus relates to our nervous system and um, like the, sorry, I thought I couldn't get calls. <laughs> I thought I was on do not disturb. So I just jumped as I'm talking about Mars Uranus. Um, it relates to the subtle electricity that moves through our body. And also Uranus relates to our deep memory, right? In this life and in a series of prior lives, it's a subtle or overt mental emotional physical trauma um, and so situations then that are even neutral can touch these nerves and we get triggered right you know um, you know what your spots are often especially when you go on this you're on like an ongoing personal development path you know your patterns you know the things that trigger you and one can design a life to not be triggered, to try to protect oneself from that. That is a response that humans have, but you cannot ultimately protect from being triggered, right? So there's also a way that sometimes the scorpionic process here is to lean into the edge of curiosity, 
and transformation of why is this thing bothering me so much and where can I um, come back into my center of um, gravity with it. Um, depending on the nature of the trauma that we're working with, sometimes we, we really need support too. Um, depending on how serious it is, what kinds of tools we already have at our disposal, right? And the more um, generally I see the more that people work on these things and gain tools, um, that we also expand our capacity to hold ourselves and transform through things. But I do think, you know, within the fixed signs, Aquarius relates to trauma as well, but it's square Scorpio. Um, and I think there's something about how we alchemize some of these deeper things in in groups actually and how groups also trigger create these problems too a lot of people's traumas are related to tribe and group and feeling um, excluded um, or things like that and so kind of endlessly endlessly complex there so I'm just going to leave that as a side note um, but essentially within this lunation things could feel a little bit more nervy, a little bit more hot. And the moon and Mars also, when they're in aspect, relates to emotional agitation or emotional reactivity. Um, it also relates to like things like massage and body work, where there's like a certain level of like Martian force and like then the lunar kind of like caressing um, to create, you know, this like release of tension in a caring way. So moon Mars is you know, no planetary combination is only good or bad or anything like that. But you do have Moon, Mars. It's like very kind of emotionally confrontational, emotionally hot. And so you might be seeing this in the field. You might have already been noticing it. Scorpio is not a casual, cavalier, or unintentional sign. Its acts are often premeditated, if not loaded. Um, so you might notice that your own emotional discomfort or urgency at this time has a deeper history or loaded quality to it, which doesn't mean it just needs to explode, but perhaps some deeper alchemical change is being asked for. I think sometimes that can even make things feel more triggering, too, if you feel like I've literally been here so many times or like this particular situation is reminding me of my entire romantic history or like every series of like intense disappointments I've ever had and it's coming to a head again and it feels like, whoa, like a lot compounded into that. And so sometimes it's um, important actually to take some measure to um, soften into like, I really like EFT or tapping, for example, because when we're in kind of disastrous thinking or we're like really blowing things up in our minds, we are bringing up examples from everything from the past that matches the current trigger. So it seems like this one little thing is actually the tip of a loaded iceberg. So have some gentleness with yourself and with the field at the moment, because that's something that a lot of people could be going through. Um, and it definitely can help if you have tools around alchemy or de-escalation. Um, and some of these things are actually important to run. And if you have cultivated the space in your body or your consciousness to run high amounts of energy, you might be also having some really cathartic experiences. Um, it's moments like this also where you know embodiment practices or deepening your capacity um, really pay off in kind of hot or intensified moments like this. Um, another thing I'll add is that when we feel a lot of energy rising up in our systems, we tend to label it like anxiety or fear or what have you, instead of just noticing the quality of the energy and what that energy might be becoming available for. So part of it, you can practice noticing what your sensations feel like, not labeling them as an emotion, but actually feeling if it's in your heart, is it in your stomach? Is it hot? Does it have a pulse? And to just really be open and curious about that sensation. This is a Scorpio thing I was talking about earlier where we defend ourselves from feeling. There's a really strong um, mental program in the culture where when we have strong body sensations, we go, there's like a lot of fear um, I think this is natural to the animal anyway. You know, I think of um, 
like taking my cat to the vet or something like that where the things that she's experiencing she doesn't have like the mental like I tried it I communicate with her and I like have an animal psychic that talks to her for me too that's an episode recently of magic of the spheres so but generally speaking you know if you take an animal to a vet they don't understand mentally the experience that they're having is just like what what the hell is this And so similarly, when we have these like body sensations, there is this deep fear and then this kind of um, assignment over to particular paradigms like the medical world of like I have this sensation doesn't always mean there's something happening at like physical danger. It could be energetic. It could be psychosomatic. Um, Not always. Right. But that being said it's like the energy the sensation is coming up and it's a real it's been like a paradigm shift for me the last years learning how to just be present with the sensation and allow it to move into um, physical movement or expression or emoting um, and to like actually be moved by what i'm feeling and to let that out um it's that shamanic side of the sign, Scorpio, really. But, you know, we have this conditioning. The sensations come up and we're just like, oh, that's anxiety. Right? So think about the energy that's arising. And if your body is receiving a lot of extra energy, what do you do with that energy? Or what is it becoming available for? Um, I notice, for example, that sometimes when I'm leaning into making bigger changes in my life or taking an action that isn't reflective of my normal habitual actions that you know my heart rate's going up or I have a lot of energy around it and if I like lean in I don't always make the choice to go with it like I still use discernment um, in terms of how I express or what action it turns into Um, but Scorpio is kind of about that edge right this happens too i think if you you consider the times that you've been approaching a really deep change in your life something even that you really want um how much energy was online available in your body around it so just feeling into the intelligence of that right and then as humans we have hardwired patterns and habits that make up our sense of homeostasis Um, agitation or anger or even anxiety often come up to support making a change and you know for example a person who's not used to standing up for themselves and tends to just kind of roll over and accept whatever's thrown at them they may start to feel a lot of energy that empowers them to say enough is enough right or they have to find that energy to kind of face back whatever they've been taking in we might find ourselves pressurized to respond to a situation um, or situations in our lives in new or more innovative ways. So the Uranus part there with the new and innovative, um, that can feel like a shock or a breakthrough to our own system. You can bring love and compassion with you also, like sometimes a no is the kindest thing. Sometimes ending a cycle is kind. Sometimes speaking your mind when you're used to holding it in is kind, right? Like just noticing that just because something feels edgy or scary to you at a body level doesn't always mean it's actually inherently wrong. We have like a kind of encoded taboo in terms of what our nervous system allows. So that's generally what I'm speaking to is that we have like our own wiring where we have a kind of safety inside of our habits and patterns, even if they're not ideal. And that acting outside of that or at the edge of that is where we might feel trembling, we might feel fear, Um, but that's us at the edge of transformation. That being said, with nuance there, it doesn't mean that just because you feel nervous or just because you feel fearful that, oh, you're on the precipice of something amazing and like wise and you should go do that. Not by any means. Uh, Use your discernment, but all that I'm speaking to with it is just that our nervous system informs our capacity and what is personally taboo for us. I've been noticing this a lot of just when I um, 
when the truth of a situation calls forth an expression of me that I'm not used to expressing, it's such a high sensation experience and it brings up aliveness. It brings up a lot of sensation. Um, and to another person who's used to running those types of behavior patterns, that might be their neutral. Like everyone has their own kind of um, palette of comfortable expressions and emotions and then the ones that are more taboo or edgy. And I think generally this time period and the situations we find ourselves in are kind of challenging the paradigm um, of what our comfort zone is. Um, on another note, I want to speak to war energetics. So war is a strong um, thing in the collective, in the collective field right now. Um, and there's an opportunity for those of us not in an active war zone. Um, and I'm inspired by a recent post um, by the Dream Mommy, my friend Ari Felix, I'm on Instagram, and I'll link that post um, in the notes. But they were saying something to the effect of, for those not in an active war zone, one can take responsibility for that in envisioning futuristic ways to use one's energy. Um, let me actually just pause the recording and look it up so I have the quote. Recording stopped. Recording in progress. Okay, this is from the dream mommy, Ari Felix. What to do with all the free time you have while not living in a war zone? Get into your power, heal, learn to trust yourself, be a vessel for your brightest contribution, be emotionally available to life. Don't dehumanize yourself to prove you care about the dehumanization of others. Create congruence within as a contribution to easing the collective field of chaos. If you get so plugged into the war frequency that you're tired, drained, and constantly externalizing your energy and attention, you may not actually be being responsible with the reality that you are not in a war zone and therefore can be moving your mind, heart, and body in more creative, futuristic ways. I'll leave that in the comments or in the notes. So, you know, in conversation with that, I'm thinking about the energetics of war and peace as they play out in the microcosm. And one thing I would highlight or be present about with this is that while some situations in life do require our erect, present will to fight or stand up, other threats can be neutralized from within. And it's important to be intelligent about this. Threats that can be neutralized from within are types of threats that are more psychological in nature or abstract fears that are projected onto circumstances. And when we plug into the energetic of something as a threat that isn't, we create discord and separation. It's not usually enough to just choose to trust and let go of vigilance. We probably do have emotions that need to be felt, fear that needs to be felt, um, tears that need to come out, shaking even, maybe, right? Sometimes there is this like quivering um, at the edges here. However, when we have the power to make those internal feelings an external problem, right, and we address it externally, so we have this capacity, I don't really like the word power there, to like have some internal discomfort and make it an external problem, and then address it externally to protect ourselves from this internal experience, we continue to remain energetically entangled with the same exact process of threat that we have not addressed from the root. I'm thinking if that, if there's another way I can phrase that to land it. Part of my thinking on this kind of goes along with how um, we at like a biological level 
evolved to deal with the realities of predators and threats in the environment. So our brain knows how to recognize threat really quickly. And while we also have these kind of peacetime capacities, there is a primal instinctual aspect of self that can be um, projected onto situations that aren't actually in those moments a threat or the level of threat that our body perceives it as. And if we're not careful or attentive to that, living in that frequency and projecting that frequency out into the world creates more enemies and creates more discord than necessary because we are participating in bringing that fear and distrust out into the environment. This is different than the capacity to recognize real danger, real threat. I mean the type of vigilance that is coming from our organism, right? That's coming from a, um, a wiring, if you will. And how a person who is in process about becoming really aware and discerning of that and knows how to de-escalate internal threat that is um, more based in wiring or fantasy then shifts that from being something that then has to get projected out. So there's this kind of um, internal tending, this internal peace creation, which will then be reflected in the external also. So this is why, you know, I see peace innovators and peace creators are often also quite martial in nature. Like maybe people that really do know how to deal with conflict in regenerative um, ways. They understand war agendas and threats that live inside them, and they work to meet, to harmonize and resolve those from within so that they do not take up greater social and collective expressions. I personally believe that most people who truly know war, like the depth of it, do not wish to perpetuate it. I think there's a kind of archetypal difference between a fresh soldier and a battered, um, been to war several times soldier. Right, And the fresh soldier has a little bit more kind of like excitement and optimism and sense of purpose. And the older warrior is a little bit more jaded and has some wisdom, has seen some things. Um, So when I say that, I think people that truly know the depth of war actually have more of an interest in stopping it. Um, I think there's also a charge to war that people find pleasure in and the animal body gets turned on by. Um, There is a type of pleasure in that rush, that sense of purpose, that feeling of vitality and aliveness, the game of it, right? So this is something I've thought about for years. It's not a new thought. Um, It's essentially the problem of war in the human collective and the way that There is something about war that people continually still find uh, a certain sense of activation within and thus um, perpetuated into the karmic collective cycles. And if that was transmuted and it wasn't a problem within humanity anymore, then it it wouldn't still be running. So anyone interested in transmuting the war that lives within must also contend with the question of raw will that likes to get, that likes to hunt, that likes to kill, that likes to win, that likes to have a game plan and hit a target, right? Like that martial energy, um, one finds appropriate expressions for it that doesn't kill that internal life force, like just suppress it, but allows that life force to have a meaningful role in one's life and allows that life force to actually serve life as opposed to ruthlessly and unnecessarily destroy it or carelessly destroy it. And so if we're thinking about war energetics or like these deeper questions of war and peace, which is an ongoing thing with the lunar nodes and Aries and Libra right now, I think it's actually some things around looking at the inner microcosm of how do we relate to Mars internally. Um, what's our relationship with it? Like, what fruits is it creating? 
um, in our own lives, right? And really, really contending with that. And on a similar note, I want to also speak to thoughts on what victory is. So we might be meeting this dynamic in our lives right now where we're in some level of turmoil or angst um, or complexity about a situation and, you know, wanting it to go a certain way, wanting to change the course, um, feeling like we're in, like we're wrestling with something. And part of the ingredient of it could even be our very will, Mars, which goes as deep as our will to live. Like Mars has that connection to the blood, to what gets our heart moving, what gets us up out of bed in the morning, what motivates us. And this then branches off into our will to move towards things, to fight for things. Um, And those things also symbolically feed back into our very desire or motive to live, right? Not when the stakes are small, it's like a small desire, but sometimes there's things that we really hinge a lot of desire and meaning and value in and they connect back to that spot of like wanting to live or not. Um, That's where it gets more, more intense and more dramatic or where it's hitting a raw, more raw kind of spot. And so when it comes to the stakes feeling high in like a personal way, I think it really brings a, an interesting portal of getting to know the self because life is not exclusively about things going the way we want or getting what we want. There is a degree of um, we do have our own will and our own agendas and the things we desire. And then there's the participation with the reality of what is. And so when we're looking at life from a Martian perspective, and I'm thinking a lot about Mars because Mars is conjunct the lunation, but also um, I consider Scorpio co-ruled by Pluto and Mars. Um, I teach evolutionary astrology, so I focus a lot on Pluto and in my evolutionary astrology work. But in recent years, I've been learning Hellenistic astrology too, and Mars is the traditional ruler of Scorpio. So there's something very Martian about the lunation and because it's Mars, I think there is a topic coming up around wins and losses, right? Um, so what is what is it to win? What is it to lose? And I think in Scorpio, victory isn't always about actually attaining the thing we want. Sometimes it's about the self-discovery that allows us to release a desire before forcing it into manifestation or to release a desire that's not coming true no matter how much we tried to make it so. You know, sometimes we look back at the things that didn't come to pass that we thought we wanted, and we're so glad they didn't happen because we see that, you know, our limited framework at the time thought that was it, but actually there was something else that wanted to come through. So sometimes there can be a real sense of surrender or trust in the universe, um, rejection as protection, that kind of thing. Um, sometimes retreat or letting go is a victory personally because we stop feeding a compulsive addiction or we outgrow or expand past a limited framework of what we think we need, right? Uh, we outgrow a type of tight smallness and see beyond it. Um, sometimes victory is the intimacy of having what we desire and meeting it truly and receiving it. Like the profound um, sense of alignment with things when our internal feels so directly matched by the external and we're just like soaking in the realization of something that we truly desire. Sometimes retreat or letting go of something is a bittersweet victory. We might be proud of ourselves for letting go of something we held a very tight grip on. We might feel expanded by no longer being obsessed with something that was draining our life force to be obsessed about, but we couldn't figure out our way out of it until we had some alchemy and some release and some transmutation with Scorpio. And while victories often correlate to the material world, Scorpio is psychological and sometimes victory is emotional freedom. Sometimes victory is feeling profoundly and deeply in relationship to what is, rooted in ourselves and our capacity for connection with life with a kind of intimacy that sustains us more than a temporary win or loss does. So if you have any thoughts about this, I forgot to say at the beginning to please like this video, 
leave a comment at some point and let me know what resonated with you. Um, subscribe to my channel. I don't know if I said that. Um, I also have a few spaces for astrology readings left in November. They are um, on my calendar for November 15th. So just coming up real soon if you want to grab those before they go. These are evolutionary fusion readings and these sessions focus on the mythos and bigger picture soul threads of your natal chart. They are 75 minute readings grounded in my decade plus specialty in evolutionary astrology, which resources Pluto and the lunar nodes to get a glimpse of the major themes of your life and soul. But additionally, I've been studying Hellenistic the last few years, and so I call these readings fusion because I'm bringing in some of that Hellenistic sight and thought. I'm also bringing in numerous minor asteroids, ones you've probably never heard of before. Um, I scan for the ones that are really prominent in your chart, like conjunct a luminary or an angle. Um, and then the session ends with integration through EFT tapping, Akashic channeling, um, or personalized visualization, depending on what came up in the session and upon your interest. Um, also, email me, sabrina at monarchastrology.com, to discuss longer-term one-to-one mentorship. I do have spaces for um, working with some people long-term. It's like an astrology reading, except we really um, get to explore what your chart is talking about um, in congruence with what's actually happening in your life. So seeing the portals of your life experience um, mirrored in the chart and vice versa. So getting to, you know, in a one-time reading, we really do like a big overview. Um, whereas in longer-term mentorship, we talk about what's happening on the ground and I bring my um, counseling and coaching skill sets to that as well. So you can send me an email to inquire about that. Stay tuned for future opportunities to study astrology with me. Alumni of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive are currently welcome in my mentorship or my sorry, my membership program, Diviner. Um, it's currently in session. It's the craft of becoming an oracle, and we're deepening our practice of evolutionary astrology. You can also email me, Sabrina at monarchastrology.com if you're an alumni, and we can get on a call to discuss the path of studying together further. New students will be welcome into Diviner through the next Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, dates to be announced, but you can find the link to the intensive to learn more about it in the notes. There's also options to combine the one-to-one -one mentorship with the astrology programs, the intensive and Diviner. So if you're curious about working together and wondering what the path may be, feel free to shoot me an email, sabrina at monarchastrology.com. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Please leave a comment and let me know what resonated with you, and I'll see you again soon. Thank you.